0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, we're going to keep moving the chains as it is Tuesday. We are out of the woods of free agency. The Bengals, though, still making one more move ahead of the month of April, where the focus is draft, draft, draft. But before we get to the draft, we want to talk about where things are for the Bengals in-house, taking stock of the offense and what that means moving forward. Welcome into another off free agency draft, take it all in edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Andrew Gillis joining you once again to bring you all the goods and all the biggest talking points for the Bengals this off-season. And Andrew, I think uh, there's really no better place to start than just kind of taking stock of where the offensive depth chart is, you know, here and now, where we think it's going to be in the coming weeks. Because obviously, like we said, the draft is coming uh, and what that means for the Bengals uh, ahead of 2023. So what I wanted to do, and I wish Mike and Isaac was with us because I would kind of love for him to join us on this. But since it's just you and I, um, what I wanted to do is we're going to go through every position group on the Bengals offense from left tackle to to quarterback. I'm just kidding. Left tackle to wide receiver. And then we're going to look at all the players at those positions, how good we think they are, how much better they could be, or if we think some of those positions might have some drop-off and why that's the case. So I want to start with left tackle because that's where, you know, obviously the biggest splash was for the Bengals this offseason with Orlando Brown. So from top to bottom on the depth chart, you have Orlando Brown, presumably Jackson Carmen right behind him, And then Deontay Smith, uh, who's been a swing, uh, I should say, backup tackle, an occasional swing tackle uh, for the Bengals since he was drafted in 2021. So looking at those three, at that position, will the Bengals be better, the same, or worse at left tackle in 2023? I I mean, obviously it's an easy answer, but I want your take on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be better. You know, Orlando Brown, he's not – you know, a Trent Williams level player in two ways. I think, you know, one in in terms of kind of how, you know, how elite he is. I I think, you know, Orlando Brown is a, is a pretty good left tackle. Um, You know, he's solidified the position for four years and you know, you're going to get above average left tackle play from him. Um, You know, but he's not kind of in that, in that kind of conversation among the top three, top five, whatever left tackles in the sport. I don't believe, Um, You know, and his athleticism or his lack thereof, too, I think kind of hinders him a little bit. Um, You know, he's not, you know, someone that, you know, is is I mean, we saw Trent Williams kind of used as like a a man in motion in San Francisco. You can't really do that with Orlando Brown. So, you know, with um, with Orlando, it's certainly an upgrade, Um, even even though kind of I just it sounded like I was kind of negative on him. You know, certainly an upgrade. Uh, you know, he's pretty, pretty good in, in pass protection. And, uh, yeah, I think you have to be feeling pretty good about where you're at this year and, and kind of moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you kind of have a level-headed perspective on it. You know, obviously, it's going to be some of the best play they've had at that position since Andrew Whitworth left in 2016. Could say one of the best players at that position in Bengals history, Whitworth, was. You know, for the last six, seven years, they just haven't gotten that oomph that he brought. And I think Brown's going to bring that. It might not be hall of fame, Trent Williams level. Oomph, but there's going to be some oomph that they haven't had. If that's even a word, I just made it up in the last seven years. I also think there's something to be said about Jackson Carmen, because obviously, you know, I would think he's not going to be a starter next year uh, on either side of the ball uh, left or right uh, on the offensive line. But when you look at the kind of depth he provides as a backup, like he, he, he had it, you know, left tackle in the playoffs last year. I think you have to consider that too. Now, the big question with Deontay Smith is what do you do with him? Do you put him on the practice squad? Do you use a roster spot on him? Because obviously they're very bloated, which we'll get to in a second. But, you know, with him, he's, I've said this before, he's been kind of a failed project. He hasn't really given them what they're looking for, but that doesn't really hurt them. So I'm with you. I think they get better at that uh, in 2023 and I'm definitely looking forward. For seeing that so for keeping score it's one own of the Bengals anytime we think they're going to get better we'll give them a point if not they lose a point and if it stays the same it's a tie so win loss or tie kind of like a, a record so moving over on the line left guard uh, right now it just looks like it's obviously Cordell Volson uh, presumably going to be the starter next year and I have Nate Gilliam behind him on the practice squad because some of the depth charts have Max dropping behind them which I think is a little bit offsetting because he's really at right guard, which we'll get to. But you have Cordell Volson and Nate Gilliam, unless they add some reinforcements there or do some rearrangements. What do you think? Are we going to see Cordell Volson do better? Is it going to be kind of a steady stagnation, or are you concerned about him next year?
1: Uh, well, first things first. I think with the scoring system, I think we can add ties to this too because I think there are some down this list where you can say they're they're the same. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So I was going to say I don't know if it's one to nothing. I think it could be one to nothing to nothing. There you um, go. There you but, go. That's but, clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, at left guard, I, I think uh, you know I think you can make a case that that Cordell is going to improve. Um, you know, when you have somebody who is a rookie who steps in as a rookie, you know, especially someone who's not. You know, coming in as you know a first-round pick out of Alabama or Notre Dame or some big kind of powerhouse program, uh, there is an adjustment, especially if you're coming from a place like North Dakota State. Uh, I, I think it, you know, I think he made the the transition well. You kind of saw him improve as the year went on. Now with Orlando Brown there, you get a bigger wingspan. You get somebody who covers up more ground. Uh, those two guys are pretty big on that left side of the line. I think. Uh, I think uh, Cordell is going to have a better year too. Than he did year one, so I'm going to say they're they're improved at that position, even though you have the same player.
0: I agree with you, and you know Brian Callahan talked a lot about this at the end of last year. And Again, this was during the end of last year. You know he's not a rookie anymore. Like he said, he is not a rookie anymore. So his rookie season was pretty short because you know what, maybe 12, 13 weeks in, he was already out of his rookie league. So, uh, and I'm not saying oh he's like this big, like you said powerhouse player. I mean, unless you consider North Dakota State a powerhouse outside of the FBS, which it is, Um, I think, you know, with all that size and that just really all that muscle and all that height, man, it's going to make them one of the biggest left sides in the NFL. I mean, I'd have to look at statistically who are the taller left tackle, left guard combos, but I would have to think that a 6'8 Orlando Brown and a 6'7 Cordell Volson are up there. So I'm with you. I think they get better. Um, I think Cordell Volson is going to maybe learn from some of the mishaps he had um, at different points in the year last year, which is not on him. I think it's just a matter of growth. So I guess if we sh- I should say it should be for nothing, because I think we each give a point based on our take. So we both gave a point in favor of left tackle. So that's two. No,
1: I no, I think it's two nothing. And then we just individually. So we have it. Yeah, so it's, okay. you know we could, I could have a different record than you do at the
0: end. So we're not gonna double it, is what you're saying? Yeah, don't double it. Okay, no doubling down. All right, all right, Andrew. All right, so it's two nothing, two nothing. Uh, Bengals offense as far as uh, the depth chart goes. All right, center. Th- this is an interesting one. I-, I have to put some thought into this one. Um, really, it's pretty simple. You have Ted Karras, who's gonna, I, I would think, almost automatically be the starter next year. And Trey Hill behind him didn't play much, got a few snaps in garbage time last year in games like against Carolina, but really not much action from a guy like him who's going into his third year. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Are they gonna be better at that position? Are they gonna be the same, or is there something we don't know that might be a drop off there?
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're gonna be the same. Um, you know, I think, I think if. The, the additions that you made with Orlando Brown at left tackle with, you know, kind of, and I, I, I'm, I don't want this to sound like an addition, but, you know, if if Cordell Volson continues to improve, you maybe, I don't know, like whatever is going to happen at right tackle. I don't know. Like, the, I think the whole offensive line could be better. But, you know, I think if you get the same level of play, kind of if, if everything Ted Karras gave you on and off the field last year uh, or last season, I should say, if, if you get that, from Ted in, in 2023, I think you're going to be pretty happy. Uh, I think that's what you're, we're going to get. So I'm going to say they're going to be the same at, uh, at center in 2023. Which, I, and I don't want, the, I don't want the same to be a bad thing. I think, you know, in some cases it could be, Hey, this team is kind of where it was a year ago. They need to improve. But I mean, in some cases you don't need to improve every, like at every position that, you know, you kind of look at, uh, reasonably just because there's, you know, it's impossible to do that. So, I think, uh, you know, this is one of those things where you're feeling good about where you're at because you liked where you were the year before.
0: That's definitely an important distinction. I want to say that stagnation's not bad. If you're keeping something good, that's where, you know, like you say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that, that's something we want to specify. And I'm glad you clarified that. I was a little bit torn on this one because Ted Karras is going to be 30, uh, I think, at the end of next season. And so... A, just catching up to a guy like that, nothing on him. I mean, him as a player, I think he was the MVP of that offensive line last year, just truthfully, not just from a play standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. But the question is, you know, how long is uh, he going to be able to have that kind of glass eater mantra? Because, you know, I think against Buffalo, he had kind of a nagging knee injury that he played through, which credit to him, that was remarkable. But how long will he be able to do that? I think he has a lot left in the tank for 2023, though, and that's why I say stay the same. So makes it 2 nothing to one So 2-0-1 if we're looking at it like a football record because we're staying the same at center. Moving over to right guard, we got Alex Kappa back in the saddle uh, after he missed out on most of the Bengals' playoff run. I guess all of the playoff run because he got hurt before uh, the playoffs. And then behind him, Max Sharping, who the Bengals are bringing back for another year on a one-year contract. Better, same, or worse, Andrew.
1: Uh, at, at right guard, I think you're the same. I think you can make a case that, that Alex Kappa was, you know, was, was the best lineman that they had last year. He's certainly the most consistent lineman, I thought. Um, you know, he played really well. And, uh, you know, it was a – I, I think you could kind of see what, what his loss meant, uh, you know, in that AFC title game where, you know, Chris Jones kind of had a really, really good game against them and in Arrowhead. And, uh, you know, I think having Alex Kappa in that game, I'm not saying they would have won if they had Alex Kappa, but, you know, you certainly would have noticed, or you certainly noticed that, that he was not in the lineup. So uh, I, I think you're you're feeling good about right guards. I'm going to say the same as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think with Max Sharping, I was very critical of him just based on how he filled in for Kappa. I mean, you could say he was one of the most bullied linemen in that AFC Championship game, especially when, you know, you look at how those first two drives ended. That's where I was very harsh. Um, I think maybe piercing in my critique, but... You know he's a veteran. Um, he's a body, and again, I think there's a reason why it's only a, a short-term, one-year deal. I think with Kappa, you know, you you look at how well he played last year. Obviously, it sucks for him that he got hurt, but I think that he'll, you know, like I said, he's healthy now. He's recovered. He'll be good to go in you know training camp, and should be another breakout year for him. But now here is the fun part because this is where the circus starts, right? Tackle. So looking at what seems to be, again, because there's a lot of uncertainty here, what seems to be the depth chart, you have Jonah Williams at the top, since the Bengals want to obviously move him there. Uh, Lyle Collins behind him, who's still uh, nursing his ACL there that he suffered against uh, New England at the end of last year. Cody Ford, who they just picked up from Arizona on a one-year deal. And Hakim Adeniji, who was the backup to Lyle Collins, who was also a swing tackle before he became the starter in place of Collins. <laughs> this is, um, I know there's obviously a lot of moving parts to this, but just looking at this, assuming that this is what it is, assuming it's Williams, Collins, Ford and Energy. If we're looking at it in that order, not pending a Williams trade, or if Lyle Collins is a post June 1st cut, if this is what you have at right tackle, are you better the same or worse in 2023?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think with, with Jonah, you're better. Uh, you know, I, I, I would, I I was feeling pretty decent about kind of where Jonah was going to be in 2023, you know, before the off season really happened, because, you know, I think it was clear that he was, he was kind of playing through some pain. Uh, you know, it was, it was a hard season for him in in terms of injuries. You know, we got hurt against Baltimore, you know, had to kind of fight through that. He got hurt against Baltimore again at the end of the year. Like, I, I think you could really make a good, you know, a good case that Jonah was, was kind of on track to have a nice bounce back year in, in a contract year. Um, so you're feeling good about, about Jonah and Cody Ford. We'll see, you know, they, they make that signing. They're trying to bring him back to his college level like that. Again, we'll see where he's at um, in, in camp, but with Layel, it, it's, it's health. So, It's all related to Jonah. If Jonah's the right tackle in week one, you're feeling better about the situation than you were a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. If Jonah is not there, even if you draft Anton Harrison, Juwan Jones, Darnell Wright, like even if you draft a rookie, you're probably feeling worse about that in the very short term in 2023, just because, Hey, maybe it takes, you know, eight to 10 games for that rookie to get going, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it might take a little bit of time. So I think if Jonah's the right tackle, you're feeling better uh, about the position as a whole, but if it's a rookie, you're, you're probably feeling worse. You got some questions
0: that, yeah, that's the thing. Like that, that's a good distinction to make. And that's why I said, just based on what we have in front of us, what we know about who is on the roster right now, I think, yeah, you could say they'll be better if, you know, Williams doesn't get traded or doesn't go far enough to hold out, which I wouldn't think he'd leave over 12 million on the table, but yeah, assuming he's there and then maybe Lyle recovers and he's used as a swing tackle and then Cody Ford and Hakim Adeniji just kind of lay back in the saddle. I, I think they get better. I mean, I think Williams played better at left tackle than he had in previous years, including that Super Bowl year in 2021, but I think that just, you know, with, that skill set, I mean, obviously, it's um, it's not a rare switch. I mean, it's been done before in the NFL, but it's certainly a challenging one, but one that I think he can do and do well. And that's why I say um, whether you have Williams, again, well, I guess based on this, but even if you don't have Williams or you know maybe you start Lyell, he's healthy, and you got a rookie who can get in there sooner than later if needed be, I think you're in good shape. So it's three Nothing to one, three, nothing to one for the Bengals offense. All right, moving over to the tight end. And uh, there's one name in here. We'll talk yeah, about wait,
1: wait, wait a minute. Three, nothing to one.
0: Oh no, four. I'm sorry. Four. Yeah, you're right. That's, I was one number off. Well,
1: no, I think it isn't. It, didn't we agree is three, three Oh and two. Well, you said right tackle is, did you say they were going to oh, get right better? tackle is, Yeah. Okay. Uh, I said right tackle. Okay. So you're four Oh and one. There you
0: That's go. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I figured that's what you said. Bear with us. It's it's Ramadan, so your boy uh, is fasting. So my my numbers and my addition might not be up to par. So bear with us, guys. We yes, 4-0 to um, 1. Moving into tight end, one name in here, like I said, we'll talk about later in the show, but worth mentioning for the sake of depth. You have Irv Smith Jr., the newest uh, Cincinnati Bengal, I should add, uh, reportedly added to the team yesterday per NFL Networks. Peter Schrager signing a one-year deal. First tight end move they've made this offseason after losing Hayden Hurst, Mitchell Wilcox, Drew Sample, still both free agents, which is worth acknowledging for the next guys I'm going to mention. Other than that, though, you have Devin Asiasi, uh, the only active uh, roster tight end on the team. And then on the practice squad, you have Tanner Hudson and Nick Bowers. Now, clearly, Andrew, this is far from a a complete roster. They're certainly going to have to draft someone, and I think they're going to have to bring back either Wilcox – or uh, sample, and we can talk more about that later in the show. But just from what you see right now, you bring in Smith Jr. and you've got two practice squad guys. You got Asi Asi. Better, the worse, or same next year?
1: Uh, by the way, it is three zero and two because I had center and right guard is the same. Um, but oh, you, did. Uh, you t- did, you did, you did. Yeah, at, you did. at tight end, I, I think. I mean, there, there's no conceivable world in which you say that you're feeling better about tight end, or even the same about tight end. And I don't mean that as disrespect to Irv Smith. Um, I'm actually really, really high on that signing. I think that he's going to make uh, he's going to make for a nice addition. But when you lose, you lose kind of your entire room. You know, from from a year ago, you have a situation where okay, Devin Asiasi he didn't really play a lot. Irv Smith is now de facto tight end one. Uh, while you know, Irv Smith is kind of in a unique situation where you know he hasn't really had an opportunity to kind of be a standout tight end end and you know the Bengals need another inline blocker I think they're going to get one in the draft now it doesn't have to be a Michael Mayer Darnell Washington Dalton Kincaid it doesn't have to be a guy early it can be somebody in rounds two three and four something like that where you know you you can feel a little better about where you're at because you have another body there you know just you know you have somebody who's who can actually play the position but yeah you, you have to feel worse about tight end uh, one, because, you know, you're, you're adding Irv Smith, who's got all the potential to, you know, to be a really, really high impact guy who at this time next year is signing a three year, $21 million deal elsewhere. Right now, though, that's not the case. So I'm feeling worse about tight end for the Bengals than I am or than I was back in uh, back in the season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Andrew. I am unanimously with you on that. With respect to Irv Smith Jr. and whoever the Bengals draft, even if it's Michael Mayer and Devin Asiasi and potentially either Wilcox or Sample, if one of them is back in 2023. I mean, we can't underestimate. Like, Hayden Hurst was one of the highest paid tight ends on the market this offseason. Now, obviously... What he got last year is what Irv Smith is getting now, a prove it deal. And we'll talk more about kind of the optics of these kinds of prove it deals that these tight ends have signed in Cincinnati the last few years. But we don't really know what he's going to give. I mean, he was decent in Minnesota for the last couple of years. He was a stud at Alabama. Um, I'm sure Joe Bro could comment on that the first time he played against Alabama at LSU. He probably saw some good observations there that I think will be worth asking about, you know, in the offseason. But. I mean, Devin Asias didn't play a whole heck of a lot. I think, again, Wilcox, for example, one of them has to come back. But do I think they have enough of a presence to really complement what Hayden Hurst is leaving behind? I just don't. Um, I think they bring enough that's necessary to have in that room from a leadership standpoint and from a depth standpoint. But Hayden Hurst, I just don't see it. Um, and again, unless there's something I don't see with Tanner Hudson and Nick Bowers, if they elevate one of them. Next year, for whatever reason, even then, I just don't see why they'd be better. So, I guess that would be our first downside of any position group. So, tell me if I'm wrong. Three, one to two. Is that right, Andrew? Three, one to two.
1: Well, for let's see. We're at five positions. So, that's six that is positions. D6, and yeah. uh, I was at five positions on the O line. Tight end. Right, right. That, that sounds right. That match yeah, Three, out. one to
0: two. Yeah, because we said the same for right guard and tackle. Or no, I'm sorry, right guard and center, better at both tackles and left guard, downside on tight end. Okay, so we're good. Like I said, we can do basic math. Um, all right, running back. This is going to be a fun one. Still have Joe Mixon, as cloudy as his future might seem. And then beyond that, you just have Travion Williams and Chris Evans. I think my tone and my voice kind of already gives that away, Andrew. Are we not feeling good about this one next
1: year? At running back, no. Um yeah, I, I still think they're going to add somebody in right. in the draft. Um, I think it's pretty clear that they're going to do that. I mean, and again, you could make a case that this goes from, man, really, really tough situation at running back. What are you going to do? Uh, who knows? I, I'm not even going to say Bijan's name. But, you know, if you end up with a Jameer Gibbs or a Zach Charbonnet, like, you're feeling pretty decent about that. So I, uh, I, I mean, this is obviously an incomplete, but for now you're, you're obviously feeling worse about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, kind of like tight end. It's a, it's an incomplete, but I think even that, like if you want to look at it from an incomplete standpoint and a future standpoint, I still don't, I, I don't feel great. I just don't feel as bad as I could feel, or as some people could feel, but I don't feel great because I don't know that Joe Mixon is going to really bring the juice next year unless he proves a lot of people wrong. I just don't see it. Assuming he's even still on the roster, which I'd like to think is going to be the case after, you know, everything that we've talked about on this podcast, but whether it's Devin A. Chain, Jack Charbonnet or any other guy, Jameer Gibbs, we don't know how they're going to fit into that system. Obviously, they value efficiency more than productivity, so they're not going to get all the snaps in the world like you get in some systems, but... Will they provide that efficiency that, you know, Brian Callahan and Zach Dave looked for? We don't know, but they, don't, they already don't have a very high opinion of Chris Evans, which, I mean, we saw kind of how that transpired for him at the end of last year. Travion Williams, I mean, I don't think he's going to be half of what Samadji P Pirine was with respect to him. As far as a kick returner, that's different. I think that's going to be good for them at kick returner if that's the guy. Um, so that's different. I'm not going to comment on that. But as far as, you know, do you really think he can step up like Pirine did? not by a long shot. And so I swear I don't feel as good uh, at running back, even from an incomplete and predictionary standpoint. So we are at three, two, and two, three, two, and two. All right. So we're going to keep moving through the depth chart. Um, somewhat last but not least wide receiver, just to go through the order of what we've got. You have Jamar Chase, of course, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Trenton Irwin, who I would think is going to be the number four receiver after earning that role last year, and then Staley Morgan at number five, who really doesn't play much, if any receiver at all, but um, is a valuable special teams piece who is a wide receiver. So you have Morgan at number five. I think this is an easy one. Better, Andrew. I think this is uh, going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be better for the Bengals next year. What do you think?
1: I mean, I I, I think it's going to have to be the same. Uh, I don't know. Really? I yeah. Like, well, I mean if you, you can kind of look at the receivers that you got and I mean, Jamar chase is one of the best receivers in the league. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a, uh, I mean, I know he missed some time uh, last year. He missed four games, you know, but again, you know, teams tried to take the top off of the defense and, you know, his numbers kind of suffered as a result. Uh, but he's obviously still an elite receiver, you know, one of the best in the game. Uh, that's not changing, um, you know. I think he's he's in the top five. Like I don't, you know, I, I, unless you think Jamar is going to become the consensus best receiver in the league, like I don't know how much better you can really expect from him. I mean, he's just already really good. Uh, T Higgins through three years has been remarkably consistent. I mean, in three years, listen to his targets: a hundred and eight, a hundred and ten, a mm-hmm. hundred and nine. Mm-hmm. So wow. you know what you're getting out of T Higgins because in those three years, 67 catches, 74 catches, 74 catches, his yards per reception, 13.6, 14.7, 13.9. Y- you know what you're getting out of T. You're getting about a thousand yards. Um, you know, you're getting a guy who's, you know, going to get over a hundred targets. Who's going to have about, you um, know, who's going to have about 70 catches, give or take. Uh, I mean, Tyler Boyd. Same thing. You know what you're getting with TB? I, I, to me, I just – I like I, I don't know how you could really expect – reasonably expect more out of this position uh, than what you've kind of gotten in the last few years.
0: You know, I, that's a tough one actually. Now you're making me reconsider my own thoughts, but that's why we do these podcasts because there's always more than one answer. I mean I just think – you know, I just – this is a tough one because – you're right. I don't know that Jamar Chase is going to be that Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson top receiver. I think there's a case with Stefan Diggs. I think with respect to Stephon Diggs, you can maybe have a, a conversation as to where Jamar Chase ranks with him. But yeah, if we're talking top of the cream de la cream, respectfully, unless he proves all of us wrong, probably not the case. But the fact that he's had over a thousand yards in each of his last two years, even given the fact he missed like, what, four games last year to a hip injury, um, where he still put up really good numbers and made the Pro Bowl, I I think he will be better. I don't know that he'll be like number one receiver elite better, but I think he'll be better. I think Higgins, with how remarkably consistent he is, at the very least, he stays the same, but he could get better, too maybe where I will consider your point is Tyler Boyd is going to be nearing the age of 30. This could be, I think this is what the last year on his deal, right? I mean, this could be the last year. He's a Cincinnati Bengal. We don't know what they're going to get out of him on his final year. So I don't know. Um, Now that I think about it, and again, I would say just more, if they're not going to be this exact same, they'll only be just marginally better but just marginally better is not much better. So I guess I'll go with you and say they'll be the same. So that makes it what? Four, two, and no, I'm sorry. Three, two, and three. Three positions getting better, two the same. No, two getting worse and three the same. Three, two, three. Three better, two worse, three the same. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. All right, last but not least, quarterback. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, I guess we, we could maybe touch on this a little bit. I mean you can never talk about Joe Burrow enough. Like, I mean, how do you feel about, I guess, maybe not even just Burrow, but like if Brandon Allen's not back next year, I mean, do you really think there's anything that in a worst case scenario where like Joe Burrow gets hurt and you need a backup? I mean, is there anything to take away from that at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see kind of what happens with backup, uh, with the backup quarterback. Um, You know, I not quite sure, um, you know, what's going to happen there. Uh, I, you know, maybe they add somebody in the draft and I, I don't know. And, you know, I made this point earlier in the off season that you're, you, you are kind of reaching that point where y- you don't need a veteran in the room to kind of, to kind of have, have around because, you know, Joe is, uh, uh you know, Joe is a younger player. I mean, Joe's kind of, uh, he's, he's getting up there in, in terms of experience in his career, um, you know, as, as crazy as that is to say, you know, he's going into his fourth year. He's going to turn 27 during the course of the 2023 season, so you, you need a younger guy. Uh, but it, to me, that that really doesn't matter. I mean, it's going to be the same. I agree, quarterback, because like I, I think if you want to kind of evaluate him in the grand scope of the league, I mean, there are a lot of people right now who, if you were doing a quarterback draft, when um, I think Bengals fans, if given truth serum, you're you're kind of understanding, hey, look. We'd rather Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, personally, you <laughs> might disagree. Um, you know, but if, if if you had to restart the Bengals and the Chiefs franchise, and you had the first overall pick, you're you're taking Patrick Mahomes. Now, if you have the second overall pick, there's a lot of people who are going to take Joe Burrow. So, unless you think Burrow is going to overtake Mahomes, in my view, it's going to stay the same. But again, that's one of those things where it's a little bit like I said in the Ted Karras uh, kind of evaluation. Sometimes staying the same is, is good, and in this case, it's really good. So, yeah, you're, you're feeling really, really good about where you're at at quarterback for not just this year but for the next decade. Do we even
0: give this a vote? I guess, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess we have to because it's a yeah, sure. uh, position. Okay, so I guess stay the same or better, I guess, what? Better or same? Which one do you want to put it in?
1: Uh, as same. far as, like, I'm, Same with quarterback.
0: So that would make it 3-2-4. and four. So it's 3 So rounding it all up, three positions will get better, two will not. They will actually regress based on how things look, and then four will stay about the same. So just to kind of uh, break it down specifically, so left tackle, left guard will get better, sounds like center, right guard will stay the same, right tackle gets better, tight end, regress, running back, regress, wide receiver stay the same, and quarterback, of course, as we just said, stay the same. Stay with us. We're going to wrap up talking a little bit more about the Bengals' latest free agent move, what that means for the 2023 NFL Draft, and an interesting question worth posing on the offensive line. All of that to come right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast, and if you still don't know what Cincinnati Football Insider is, listen up. It's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the podcast and the reporters who cover the team. Here's how it works. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. And it's the inside scoop on what we're hearing. And we're giving you the inside word before it even hits social media. If you join Cincinnati Football Insider, you get to participate on the podcast, and you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Just try it for two weeks. And if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. So here's how you get on board. Text 513-940-4193 or go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a great time to join as we're covering the NFL draft, OTAs, mini camps, and much more to come later this year. So give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text again the number 513-940-4193. All right, and thanks for staying us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, um, as we mentioned earlier when we were doing our rankings, um, Andrew, we saw that the Bengals obviously last night, late last night I should say, added Herb Smith Jr. Uh spent the last four seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, come from a come from a good pedigree of football. His dad, Herb Smith Sr. uh played almost a decade in the NFL during the nineties. Um, so you know, he played for Alabama, played for Nick State, Saban. He got a, a good uh resume there um, and much like they did with Hayden Hurst they gave him a one-year prove-it deal so who knows maybe he plays his tail off and gets 21 24 million dollars somewhere else like you know Hurst did or like CJ Uzama did last year so um, just looking at it I mean the way the Bengals went about it with like a one-year prove-it deal kind of two parts to this number one, do you, do you like the approach? Like, do you think this approach of just bringing in tight ends on like a short-term rental, do you think it's the right way to go? And then regardless of whether it's the right way to go or not, what does that mean for the number 20th overall pick in this year's draft?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the right way to go about it. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, because you're going to, you're going to, I mean, this is a pretty marketable position. Like, you know, you can, you can go around to other free agents that are going to be receivers and, and tight ends and say like, hey, look, you know, if you want to come here for, for one year, you, the market wasn't what you wanted, come here for a year, get your money, and then you can peace out. And, and I think that that's a nice, um, you know, I think that that's a nice, uh, you know, a, a nice little marketing pitch for, for players that are free agents. But I don't think that's necessarily sustainable. I, I, it's kind of like, if you want to compare it to something, I think it would be a little, be a little bit like the transfer portal in uh, in college football because if you're just going to keep bringing in these rentals, you know, these guys who, hey, they're, they're basically mercenaries, they're hired guns, sure it could work, but you don't really have any long-term stability there. And two, if one of them flops, like let's, Let's say, like I like I said, I'm really high on Irv Smith Jr. Um, you don't really have a lot of production to kind of look at. Uh, you know, he missed the entire 2021 season. Uh, you know, in 2022, uh, you know, we had I know he had an ankle injury, uh, and then the Vikings traded for for TJ Hawkinson. Like, it, it's kind of hard to judge what he could do in a number one role. Uh, but I like kind of betting on his athletic upside and kind of the past that he's had. But if, if, if it doesn't work out with Irv Smith and you say, Hey, look, we're fine. Or next year, you know, you have a, you know, you draft a third or fourth round guy this year and next year you do the same thing with the title, you know, a free agent. And that, that like, y- you start to put yourself in a position where, okay, well now we haven't really had good tight end play for the last two years or whatever it is. Like, I, I still think, you know, every team ideally would like to have a guy, um, you know, that you, you know, have in-house that you can build upon, for a handful of years, uh, you know, if you draft a tight end at 28th overall, which I'm not saying it makes this less likely, I just think it. You know, if you, if you didn't have a tight end going into the draft, if you didn't sign Irv Smith, you have to draft a tight end in the first three rounds and maybe the first two because you just you need somebody there. Um, but now, you know, if, if you if you don't draft a tight end until round three. I think you're feeling okay about that, so it lessens the need for a tight end. I really like the signing. Um, you know, I just i I think that eventually you'd like to find a guy in the draft that you can control for you know four to five years.
0: I like what you explained about kind of what that means if they want to move forward, you know, some type of way, you know, in 2024, if like, say it doesn't work out the way that they would have anticipated, like they can do more with another draft pick later on. Um, And that gives you more flexibility to do more with that 20th overall pick. If you really want to get a project tackle to potentially, I should say, replace Jonah Williams, either now or in the future, depending on what happens to him, you could do that. If there's an edge rush you really like, and you think you're good at tackle, you can absolutely do that. Um, so it gives them more flexibility. And I think the good thing with a deal like this is it's, I would imagine we don't know the exact terms, but um, it's a cap friendly deal, I would think. And you need that with, I love to keep saying this term, the Joe Burrow contract extension era. Anything and everything helps in terms of the cap. So uh, you can't go wrong with that if you're the Bengals. So, you know, it's a good rental. You know, you could get a lot out of them. And, you know, again, I mentioned this earlier. I kind of ask Joe Burrow, like, you know, Burrow's first year at Alabama, they—I'm sorry—Burrow's first year at LSU when they played Alabama. Gosh, it's been a long day. Um, it wasn't quite like the rematch a year later, which was one of the greatest college football games ever. But you know, LSU got blown out twenty-nine nothing, and Irv Smith had a great game, if I remember correctly, in that 2018 matchup. And I'm—I'm I'm sure you know Burrow was standing on the sideline, you know, watching this guy. Maybe he had a scouting report of him, and now whatever he saw then. He gets a throw to him now. So um, we're going to see how that plays out. And, you know, again, I think it's going to be interesting to get Burrow's thoughts in the coming weeks and months. But, yeah, I think that's um, it it gives a lot of clarity because I wondered what they were going to do just in general. Were they going to bring back Wilcox? Were they going to bring back Sample? Was there anyone else on the market they were looking at? Because the market seemed kind of dry and I still think it was pretty dry even looking at it now. But, I mean, at this point, do you even bring back Wilcox? Do you bring back Drew Sample? Like, assuming you draft someone, do you need one of those guys? Or do you just count on Ossie to be that Mitch Wilcox slash Drew Sample? Well,
1: I think you count on Ossie to be what Ossie was last year, which is kind of a depth tight end, uh, kind of a you know a role player. And um, I, I, I think they're pretty set on on drafting a guy. And I think that's going to be the direction that they go. So yeah, I I wouldn't expect, uh, I wouldn't expect a ton of, uh, of movement free agency wise at tight end. But I mean, if they do, I think that kind of tells us a little bit more about where they're headed because right now I think it's pretty clear. that. Yeah,
0: definitely. And who knows, maybe one of them comes back or none of them do, but you know, they're not the only unsigned free agents left with the Bengals. I mean, we talked about Eli Apple, we talk about Trey Flowers, as much as I think they're going to be done with those two. I mean, there's still some names that are out there, but that's kind of what came to mind. But stay with us as uh, we look at the defensive depth chart tomorrow, give our grades and takes on that. Mike Nizek will be back to join us later this week um, to keep things going afloat. But once again, for myself and Andrew, I'm Muhammad Amar. See you on Wednesday.